Africa service of Vatican Radio. Welcome to our half-hour daily program for Africa. Stay tuned for our bulletin of church news, which will be followed by Panorama, and then our feature, Culture and Society. We shall close with the news for young people. I am John Baptist Tumusime. On Thursday, Pope Francis received an audience members of the Dicastry for Divine Worship and the Discipline of the Sacraments who were in Rome for their plenary assembly. The members are discussing the liturgical training of the faithful and priests. In his address, the Holy Father noted that worship is at the center of the church because it is where we meet the living Christ. Quoting the Second Vatican Council, the Pope said the purpose of liturgical reform is to stimulate the formation of the faithful and to promote pastoral action, which has the sacred liturgy as its source and climax. He said for this to happen, liturgical training is necessary, noting, however, that this is not a specialization for a few experts, but an interior disposition of all the people of God, including the ordained ministers of the church, who have the responsibility of taking the faithful by the hand and accompany them in their knowledge of the holy mysteries. The Holy Father encouraged the plenary assembly not only to prepare new training courses for priests, but also to think about liturgical training of the people of God in order to deepen their understanding of celebrating the mystery of salvation. Earlier, Pope Francis had received an audience participants in the international conference for the ongoing formation of priests. The participants are reflecting on the future of priestly formation, guided by the theme, Fan into flame, the gift of God that you possess, taken from St. Paul's second letter to Timothy, chapter 1, verse 6. Reflecting on the theme, the Pope focused on three paths to take in the process of priestly formation, which are the joy of the gospel, being part of God's people, and service as generative. The Pope described the joy of the gospel as the tender and merciful love that God has towards us, as he proclaimed in the gospels. We, the baptized, he said, are called to make this joyful proclamation resound throughout the world by the witness of our lives, so that all may discover the beauty of the saving love of God, revealed in Jesus Christ, who died and rose from the dead. Before teaching this good news, the Pope added, a priest is called to be a disciple who witnesses to the love of God. Only by welcoming and preserving the joy of the gospel can a priest bring that joy to others, and only when he remains a disciple can he become a minister of God and a missionary of God's kingdom. 
With regard to being part of God's people, the Pope said that priests can carry out their priestly ministry well only if they are fully part of the priestly people from whom they have come. Realizing that they are part of a people, the Pope said, sustains their efforts and keeps them safe from the risk of getting detached from reality and from feeling all-powerful, which is often the root of every form of abuse. Ongoing formation, the Pope stressed, should emphasize this belonging and not the concept that a priest is a person set apart. With regard to service, the Pope said service is the identity of the priest. Jesus showed this in his entire life, and particularly at the Last Supper, when he washed the feet of the disciples. Pope Francis concluded his address stressing that a priest formed in these three aspects would put himself at the service of the people of God, be close to people, and like Jesus on the cross, willingly shoulder responsibility for all. The Catholic Church marked the 10th World Day of Prayer and Awareness Against Human Trafficking this Thursday, February 8th, with the theme, Journeying in Dignity, Listen, Dream, Act. Pope Francis issued a message for the occasion expressing gratitude to everyone in the world who is involved in the efforts to combat this scourge. We have a report. In his message, the Pope urged everyone to walk in the footsteps of St. Josephine Bakita, who was trafficked herself as a child. He said St. Bakita encourages us to open our eyes and ears to see those who go unseen and to hear those who have no voice, to acknowledge the dignity of each person and to fight trafficking and all forms of exploitation. Lamenting that trafficking often goes unseen, the Pope urged, let us help one another to be more responsive. The Pope appealed for listening to suffering victims. May we listen to their cry for help and feel challenged by the stories they tell, he said. The Holy Father encouraged all efforts that better enable people to live with freedom and dignity and called for taking concrete actions to combat trafficking. At each and every level, he exhorted, let us pray fervently and work proactively for this cause. While we know the fight against trafficking can be won, he suggested, it is necessary to get to the root of the problem and eliminate its causes. The Pope went on to encourage all efforts to respond to the phenomenon following St. Paquita's example. It is a call to action, to mobilize all our resources. He warned, if we close our eyes and ears, if we do nothing, we will be guilty of complicity. Pope Francis concluded by expressing his heartfelt gratitude to everyone engaged in the celebration of this day and blessing all committed to combating trafficking and all forms of exploitation. I'm Deborah Castellano-Lubov. The Department for Promoting Integral Human Development at the Association of Member Episcopal Conferences in East Africa, Amesea, has launched a one-year program with the selected radio stations within the region to promote awareness of the goals of Pope Francis's encyclical Laudato Si, also known in English as On Care for Our Common Home. You are tuned to the English Africa service of Vatican Radio. Panorama. Rights group Amnesty International has urged Madagascar to abolish its castration law. In a statement this week, Tigere Chaguta, 
Amnesty's regional director for East and South Africa said that Madagascar should abolish the new law which allows for the chemical and surgical castration of people convicted of raping minors. He said the law is cruel, inhuman and degrading. Last month, President Andri Rajolina proposed the amendments to the penal code that include chemical and surgical castration as punishment for individuals found guilty of rape against minors. These changes have since been agreed by members of parliament. Chaguta in the statement said, In Madagascar, rape cases remain underreported and perpetrators often go free due to the victims and their families' fear of retaliation, stigmatization and a lack of trust in the judicial system. Ghana's government has suspended plans to implement a 15% tax on power. The move follows a public uproar that it will worsen the cost of living crisis. The value-added tax was to be levied on domestic consumers of electricity, but labor unions opposed the new tax and announced nationwide protests against it next week. Authorities now say the plan has been put on hold until talks are held to resolve the dispute. It comes a few days after the government started to implement a fuel emissions levy sparking mixed reactions. The United Nations on Wednesday urged countries not to forget the civilians caught up in the war in Sudan. The United Nations also appealed for 4.1 billion United States dollars in order to meet their humanitarian needs and support those who have fled to neighboring countries. A 10-month war in Sudan between its armed forces and the parliamentary rapid support forces has devastated the country's infrastructure prompted warnings of famine and displaced millions of people inside and outside the country. Half of Sudan's population, which is around 25 million people, are said to be in need of humanitarian assistance and protection, while more than 1.5 million people have fled to the Central African Republic, Chad, Egypt, Ethiopia and South Sudan, according to the United Nations. A man who fled the United States after allegedly killing his girlfriend has walked out of a Kenyan police station where he was being held without anyone stopping him. 41-year-old Kelvin Kangete was arrested last week leaving a club in Kenya's capital Nairobi after a month-long manhunt. A court had allowed his detention for 30 days awaiting possible extradition. You are tuned to the Daily Africa service of Vatican Radio. This is Couch and Society, and you are welcome to the program. My name is Kanyan Tagodufri Kampamba. Joining in dignity, listen, dream, act is the theme of the International Day of Prayer and Awareness Against Human Trafficking that is observed every year on 8th February. That date was established by Pope Francis some years ago, and he wanted the event to fall on the feast of St. Josephine Margaret Baketa. Born in 1869, this African woman died on 8th February 1947 after having been a slave in Sudan and later on becoming a Canosian religious sister in Italy, where she lived an exemplary life for more than 45 years. Pope St. John Paul II in 2000 canonized Bakita, making her the first black woman to rise to such church honor in modern times. As the church and all the people of goodwill in the world celebrate St. Bakita, Pope Francis, to mark the occasion, has written a message in which he recognizes all those working to fight against human trafficking. Together, 
let us walk in the footsteps of Saint Bakita, the religious sister from Sudan, who as a child was sold into slavery and was a victim of traffickers. Let us remember the wrong she endured, her suffering, but at the same time her strength and her journey of liberation, wrote the Pope as he encouraged people to open our eyes and ears to see those who go unseen and to hear those who have no voice, to acknowledge the dignity of each person and to fight trafficking and all forms of exploitation. Pope Francis has also thanked God for the many young people that have taken up the challenge of the World Day Against Trafficking. Their enthusiasm and commitment, he says, show us the way and that they remind us that we are called to listen, dream and act in order to counter trafficking. Coordinating the efforts of the church to combat human trafficking is the global Talita Kumi network of over 6,000 religious sisters and partners promoted by the International Union of Superiors General and the Union of Superiors General. This year, Talita Kumi International has welcomed and organized some 50 young representatives from partner organizations to Rome for a week of initiatives and awareness-raising activities. One of these young people is Felicia Mwengeza from Malawi, where she works with the country's Catholic Women Association. Soon after attending the Pope's general audience on Wednesday, the eve of the 8th February observance, Felicia spoke to Vatican Radio's Linda Bodoni about the involvement of the youth in the fight against the phenomenon that affects people in every continent and her work in Malawi. What voice are you bringing to Rome uh, on this occasion? Talita Kum is a platform for us young people to be actively engaged in the fight against human trafficking. You'd see how in the past uh, young people were not involved because we're not coordinated under such a network. But now we have the platform and it's time that we raise our voices. We call upon all the young people around the world to join the fight and that together we fight human trafficking. You come from an area of the world where, unfortunately, a lot of human trafficking happens because of a number of reasons. And girls, uh, young women, are especially vulnerable. You say that young people haven't been involved, but they are perhaps um, most of the victims are, are possibly young girls. Why haven't they been involved and, and how important is their voice in this moment? Uh, I feel like uh, involving the voice of the young people is very crucial in this fight. As you have said that it's a lot of the young people that are victims of human trafficking. If our voice is being heard, I think it's easier for the other young people who have been trafficked, who are at risk of being trafficked. It's so easy for our voices to connect because uh, we're in the same age range and we can always uh, relate to the experiences that we are both as young people we experience in our various communities. So bringing in the young people makes it more real. It makes it more effective that uh, human trafficking is really happening. And you'd see that among the young people, there are also other young people who have been at risk of uh, being trafficked, or some of them are even survivors of human trafficking. So hearing their experiences, their, their first-hand information is very important for other young people to be motivated, to be inspired, and to know that uh, human trafficking is real, and it's time for us as young people to, to be on the uh, to be the frontliners in the fight against uh, 
this form of uh, slavery. Uh, what platforms do you use to diffuse your message? Uh, specifically, as I have said, that I work for the Catholic Women Association. Under the Catholic Women Association, we had uh, the Human Trafficking Project, where I was active, actively involved as the project's coordinator. But also, I think uh, through Talita Kum, where they have uh, various youth ambassadors in all, uh, in different countries in the world. This is, uh, is a special platform for the young people to be actively involved. How do they get engaged through uh, raising their voices, awareness, training other young people through the church programs. We can also uh, utilize uh, the young groups, uh, young people groups in the church, the youth groups and every other young groups within the church where we can go teach other young people, raise their awareness and tell them about uh, the realities of human trafficking. We can also uh, utilize the media, the social media pages for Talita Kuma and our various organizations to amplify our voices and make the message for human trafficking clear and easier for the young people to access it. Pope Francis on Sunday thanked you for coming to Rome. He was at the Angelus and you were too. Um, how important is his voice and his encouragement in this um, venture? Uh, Pope Francis recognizing our presence, but also uh, the, our effort in fighting human trafficking gives us more energy. Uh, it makes us more visible, but also it uh, it gives us that uh, spirit that our voices are being heard, our efforts are being recognized by the church, and the entire world, but also it's uh, a challenge for us to do more because uh, we're, the, more is being expected from us by the church, by our organizations, by the communities that we are assisting. So it gives us that uh, that vibe, you know, to, to do more, to be more actively engaged. What, uh, what more can we do for the young survivors, for the victims of human trafficking? What can we do to raise more awareness, to reach out to more young people who are at risk of being recruited by the traffickers? So it's really, really exciting to, uh, and encouraging to hear Pope Francis recognizing us, but also sending his encouraging messages to us as young people. When you go back to Malawi, will you have a new project, new ideas, um, new input to give to your work um, for against human trafficking? At the moment, I think I'm more... Um more excited about mobilizing other young people from Malawi so that because in Malawi we do not have the Talita Kum network. So I think if we can have the Talita Kum network, it would be easier to engage more young people to join the campaign. And I think through the Talita Kum network, we'll be able to have more projects and activities on human trafficking. So how did you get involved? I, I was involved because uh, of the World Union for Catholic Women Organization. As I, I, as I said earlier, I am, more, I am more involved with the Catholic Women Association in Malawi, which uh, I was linked to the, to the WUKO. So through WUKO in Malawi, we had a human trafficking project, and I guess that's how I got recognized by Dalita Kum to represent Wogo as a young person. You're very young. How old are you? I'm 28, 28. not so young. Okay, <laughs> you're young. Yeah. Okay. Thank you very much, Felicia. Is there anything you'd like to add that we haven't mentioned? I'd like to call upon all the young people around the world because, you know, um, 
human trafficking is all around us. And us as the young people, especially most of us that have uh, finished school, we are looking for jobs. Uh, the traffickers target us because they know that uh, we are so so eager to do something for us, to benefit us. So I'm calling upon all the young people to be aware of the things that are happening around us. I am calling also upon other young people to help in the awareness, to make more young people know and recognize human trafficking. Felicia Mwengesa from Malawi, one of the 50 young representatives from partner organizations of Talitakum, who are in Rome for a week of initiatives and awareness-raising activities. She was speaking there with Vatican Radio's Linda Bodoni. And that is all we have time for in this edition of Culture and Society. Until next week at the same time, my name is Kanyan Tagodifri Kampamba. And now, news for young people. Hello and welcome to the program. I am Festus Tarawali. As you may have heard earlier, the church on the feast day of St. Josephine Bakita on Thursday marked the International Day of Prayer and Awareness Against Human Trafficking. In preparation for this year's observance, some 50 young people from across the world gathered in Rome to attend a special training course on trafficking in persons and to take part in the day of prayer under the theme, Journeying in Dignity, Listen, Dream, Act. Coordinating the church's effort to combat the scourge is a global Talitakum network of over 6,000 religious sisters and partners. Sister Abby Avellino is the coordinator of the network and the initiative with young people. She spoke to Linda Bordoni after Wednesday's general audience with Pope Francis, underscoring the importance of networking with various partners and about how the focus is increasingly on the involvement of young people in the fight against human trafficking. How important is Pope Francis's support for you? Pope Francis, since he began his papacy, he's very supportive to us every year for this day, the International Day of Prayer and Awareness Against Human Trafficking. He always give us a message, and particularly for this uh, dedication year for young people. And today, February 8th, is the, the end of this year dedicated to young people. And Pope Francis really gave the message to them in order to mobilize more young people. And here we are, 50 young people. When we started 2023, there were 15. Now we encourage the 50 young people to spread this word amongst. We are 22 countries representing these people from all over the world right now, present in Rome, to gather, really to listen, to dream, and to act. Sister Abby Avellino, the coordinator of the anti-trafficking network Talitakum. This past Tuesday, the 6th of February, was marked as the International Day of Zero Tolerance for Female Genital Mutilation, or FGM. In 2024, some 4.4 million girls are still considered at risk from this horrific act of gender-based violence, according to the UN. This year's International Day was dedicated to the 200 million FGM survivors. According to Dr. Wissal Ahmed, the UN Reproductive Health Agency's Global Coordinator for the FGM Trust Fund, health complications due to the barbaric practice add up to around 1.4 billion US dollars each year. She told UN News' Pauline Batista that engaging in dialogue, having a conversation, is fundamental to end FGM as a practice. 
We have a lot of girls and women affected by FGM. It's a global human rights abuse, and it leads to several um, health complications. However, it's not an easy area to eliminate because it's uh, because of three reasons, really. Uh, first, female genital mutilation is a deeply entrenched social norm that's handed down by generations through beliefs that are very difficult to change, as they are often linked with positive values like cleanliness, like purity. Secondly, the beliefs that uh, that are around this practice are multiple and diverse, and it really depends on where you are. Um, it, it could range from being a necessary rite of passage to women's um, uh, womanhood or to maintain family honor by reducing sexual desires to assure virginity before marriage. And therefore, it requires a lot of contextualization uh, at each setting. And finally, um, many players are needed to end it, and we have not invested enough. For sure. And it's so interesting because we know that most cases occur in Africa, the Middle East and Asia. Now, what are some of the ways in which the UN is trying to better protect women and girls while navigating those beliefs and traditions um, that are, you know, some of the core values to those communities? What are some examples of practices that uh, are in place to support them? So uh, first, um, you know, as I mentioned earlier, female genital mutilation is a practice that's really driven by an unquestioned uh, beliefs that are linked to positive values. So uh, to really address it, you have to question these beliefs and delink it from these uh, positive values and as well as support uh, social movements, you know, that are against this practice at grassroots level, at national and link it globally. So the UN works closely with governments, um, civil society, grassroots organizations to catalyze a social change, firstly by identifying and encouraging an implementation of evidence-based interventions. For example, we know now that social marketing and media involvement of religious leaders, uh, cultural leaders, health workers at service delivery points have a positive uh, association with changes in attitude. So these, uh, we support governments, civil society and grassroots organizations to adapt these effective interventions to each context, to, to link the social movements at national, uh, local and regional to global levels, and also integrate these interventions within institutions that have a wide reach to communities, for example, such as the ministries of health. That was Dr. Wissal Ahmed. UNFPA's Global Coordinator for the FGM Trust Fund, speaking there to UN News' Pauline Batista. And that's all for this edition. Till the same time next week, I am Festus Tarawali. You have been listening to the English Africa Service of Vatican Radio, and I am Johnny Baptist Tomosime. In our next program, at the same time tomorrow, you can hear our feature development and the economy. Praised be Jesus Christ. Laudetur Jesus Christus.